Your words have power. There are both scientific and spiritual reasons for that. This means that you can talk your way out of problems and into a positive life of joy, peace, confidence, courage, all the good stuff. I'm Kyle Winkler, and this is the Shut Up Devil Show. Okay, in the last decade or so of ministry, I've discovered perhaps the greatest source of conflict in people's lives that doesn't have to do with the devil. I've learned it from the volume of messages that I receive through social media, email, even letters. It's this. A large amount of the tension, the stress, the turmoil that people experience in their lives is a product of their own mouth. Man, if you could see some of the messages that I see, and I'm talking about from Christians, I mean, the attitudes and the accusations that people portray with their words, sometimes I'm thinking, honey boo boo, if what you're writing to me is how you're talking to other people, your problem ain't with the devil, your problem is with your mouth. Maybe you don't need to shut the devil up, you need to shut you up. It's so true what the book of Proverbs says that death or life is in the power of the tongue. Many fires are started and problems are provoked with nothing more than words. Nations can go to war over words. These days, people get canceled over words. You know the phrase, sticks or stones can break my bones, but words will never harm me. I'm not so sure that's true. There's a power to words that can stick around forever. And that's biblical, by the way. The idea that words have a power to them is biblical. In fact, I'd say it's the first principle we discover in Scripture. God created everything using words. Hebrews 1.3 says that he sustains everything by his powerful word. And of course, those are God's words. I'm not saying that your words have the power to create the world. Nor do I believe that your words move God in any way. I'm not somebody believes that you can just blab and grab whatever you want, and that God is like some celestial Santa Claus that has to wrap with a bow whatever you say. But as one made in God's image, according to his likeness, you are a speaking spirit. And while your words might not have world-creating power, they certainly have world-influencing power. As Proverbs says, for bad or good, especially as it pertains to your personal world. And that's what I want to shift to for at least the rest of this message, I want to talk about the positive force that your words can have on getting you out of trouble. And this too is biblical. It comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. Let's look at two things that he said, and we're going to start in Mark chapter 11. Here the disciples are amazed when they come across a fig tree that had withered and died a day after Jesus cursed it. He used his words, and then it withered and died. From this, Jesus gives them a lesson about words and obstacles. In verse 23, he says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Now to be sure, Nobody took his words literally back then. They didn't take him as saying they'd uproot a mountain physically by speaking to it. You know how we have a phrase like, I ran into this person at the store? 
It doesn't mean you actually ran into them with your car or bumped into them with your body. Okay, it's a figure of speech, an idiom. Well, moving a mountain was one of those phrases back then, and you can see it in other literature even outside of the Bible in that time. It mostly meant to overcome a difficulty. That's what the disciples would have understood Jesus to mean. That's what we can understand Jesus to mean. We can use our words to overcome difficulties. Another thing that Jesus said about words is what I'm going to propose to you is the way to do it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Now here, Jesus is dealing with religious leaders who accused him of being the devil. This is the chapter in which he mentions the only sin that can't be forgiven, which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard that. That's simply the belief or the unbelief in who he is. It's attributing his power to evil, basically. So the unpardonable sin is not any sin that you are battling, okay? You have to know that. But on to the story here. Jesus uses a tree again as an example of how a tree is identified by its fruit. That's when in verse 34 he says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Verse 35, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. In context, he's saying that the words, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit from these religious leaders, are the fruit of their evil hearts. He's talking to them, not you or me, by the way. So please don't go reading these words as him saying that you are evil. And don't go fearing that God might bring back your words in some movie of your life when you get to heaven. That's not the point here. But I do want to point out a principle in what he said that you can apply for yourself. It's the first part of verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. As a Christian, that part is true for you. You have a good heart. Now, I know you've heard the opposite. I've heard the opposite. I still hear the opposite. I used to believe the opposite and teach the opposite. You've probably heard, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's an Old Testament verse. And sure, before salvation, your heart was deceitful. But when you said yes to Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you received a new heart. Foretelling of Jesus, foretelling of salvation, God said through the prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. That's Ezekiel 36, 26. That's what happened to you. That's what you received with your identity in Christ. You receive God's heart and God's spirit. What's more, Romans 5.5 5 says that at salvation, God poured his love into your heart. So a Christian who says, God knows my heart, is telling the truth whether or not they know what they're saying. Not only does God know your heart, but God likes your heart because it's full of love. It's full of strength and courage and forgiveness and mercy. It's full of the fruits of the Spirit because it is full of him. You have a heart of gold because you have the heart of God, literally. 
So what does this all mean regarding how your words can help you overcome your problems and difficulties? It means that you should speak from your heart. As I said a lot these days, don't try to get what's in your head to your heart. Your head is the problem. Your stinking thinking is the problem. But rather, you'll overcome so many difficulties when you get what's in your heart. You're new, you're clean. Your heart of God, when you get what's in your heart to your head. Renew your mind with what's in your heart. Take these thoughts captive with what's in your heart. Truths about who God is and who you are and what you have in Him. That's what's in there. When your mind starts to believe those truths, your body will start to respond to those truths and it'll create a cycle that produces the fruit of your good heart in the rest of your life almost effortlessly. As I kind of alluded to earlier, this isn't because of your words being magic words. Largely, this works because of God's design of your mind. Now, do you mind if I get into a little science here? My background and undergraduate degree is in programming, so I'm kind of a little bit scientific-minded. I tend to derive some truths from the way something is programmed. Well, modern studies of the brain illustrate how God designed it to be influenced by words. The technical term for this is called plasticity. It's the ability of the brain to be moldable, kind of like plastic, and some people have more plastic brains than others, I think. But it's a good thing. You want your brain to be moldable. But why does it matter? Because how the brain is molded or wired affects how we see and hear and act. Literally, your brain interprets the signals that come in from your eyes and your ears and all your senses. Those senses send it to your brain, those signals to your brain, and then the brain interprets them and tells the rest of you how to respond based on that. Even in you watching or hearing me, your brain is what's telling you what I look like and the color of my shirt, how I sound. It's interpreting everything for you. It's even interpreting to you meaning behind the things that I say. So for example, if you get offended by something, it might not be because of what I actually said but because your mind is interpreting it through some sort of lens from the past, maybe through something somebody else said or something you've heard that it means, whatever. Your mind, your brain does the interpretation. I'll give you a recent example of this. A few days ago, I posted something on social media and somebody took an issue with a single word that I used. Or two words, I guess, a phrase put together. I used the words human being. Innocent and common phrase. A decade ago, nobody would have thought anything by it. I wasn't thinking anything by it. But because of the craziness of today's politics, apparently saying human being is a statement or a non-statement about gender. So this person drew a conclusion and took offense because their brain interpreted what I said according to something that they had seen or heard or experienced that didn't really exist. That's how much... Offense works in our life, actually. So much of it is based on that. But you see, that's precisely how the brain gets molded. What we see, hear, or feel over and over and over 
shape it and create its interpretations. I'm going to draw it out on a chart here for you. Here's the brain. External experiences come into it. These are thoughts. These are feelings. These are words. All kinds of things coming in from your environment. Well, over time, as these continue to come in, the brain learns what these are. And I'll say they make the wrinkles of our brain. They program our brain. They wire our brain. Okay? Well, over time then, when the brain learns what these mean and what these have done to you, it begins to tell the rest of your body how to react. So it sends things all through you, kind of like dominoes. Starts all in here and it sends out through the rest of you. So that then the next time something similar comes in, a similar thought, similar feeling, similar situation, the brain interprets it through what it's learned and sends it out through the rest of your body and tells you, this is what that sounds like, this is what that looks like, so do this or feel this or think this, react this way. It's great design for learning language or music or math or something. But in our fallen world, it can work against us too. So many of the problems and the difficulties in our lives happen because one thought enters the brain, gets interpreted according to something from the past, then cue the fear, cue the insecurity, cue the anxiety, on and on and on and on. It can turn into a crazy cycle. But thankfully, because of God's design of the mind, we can hack this cycle, and the way to do it is from your heart. Speak from your heart. You're new, you're clean, you're righteous, you're forgiven heart. It's who you are. Interrupt your stinking thinking. Take these thoughts captive that are coming into here with words of truth that come from the heart. Over time, then, those words of truth will create new thoughts of truth, which create new beliefs of truth, which create new interpretations based on truth, which produce positive reactions, all based on truth. Doing this is called self-talk. And that can be verbal. It can be internal. doesn't matter, really. But there are all kinds of modern studies into the power of this. In my Shut Up Devil book, I wrote a chapter called The Mind-Mouth Connection, and I discuss some of what science shows that self-talk does for you. Athletes use it all the time to perform better, as an example. But don't just cast this off as modern psychology, okay? People have been doing this to overcome things since Bible times. In fact, I'd say it started as a Bible principle that psychology and science has discovered more recently. And here's why I can say that. All over the Psalms, Psalm 42, verse 5 is a great example. David does this very thing. Here he speaks to himself. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He does it again in Psalm 103. He recounts all of his blessings and he says what God has done. 
in what God does. He said he forgives all my sins, he heals all my diseases. And there are many other places David does this in the Psalms. Maybe you've heard of Deborah the judge in the book of Judges. She helped lead Israel in battle against the Canaanites. Well, Judges 5 gives us the song of Deborah. And it kind of recounts the story of how God used her. Well, in her song, in verse 21, she speaks to her soul. And the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. She speaks to her soul. She says, march on with courage, my soul. She's talking to herself. Well, because of Jesus, we're in a far better position than they were. Today, we know God to be full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He's nothing but good. We should know that. In the book of John, it says that Jesus is the human picture of God. That's what he was. So we should know that. Because of Jesus, we know that he's already forgiven us. You see, David reminded himself that God forgives, that it's something that God does. And for somebody like David, who dealt with a lot of guilt and shame from some of the big stuff that he did, that's a crucial reminder. But we can remind ourselves that God forgave. It's not just something that God does, it's something that he did. He's not still deciding whether to forgive you, but he already did. Hebrews 9.28 says that Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Hebrews 10.12 says that Jesus was a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. He did it. So I'm telling you, sometimes just reminding yourself that you are forgiven is enough to get you out of so much trouble. I've found in my life and in the lives of so many people I hear from through ministry, so much of our insecurity about failures and weaknesses and our standing with God comes from this idea that, oh no, maybe we're not forgiven, maybe we can't be forgiven. And it makes up the bulk of our battles. Remember, the enemy is the accuser. His accusations are made up of reminders of sin and failure. He'll tell you God can't forgive that one. He'll say, that one's too big or it's still too present to be forgiven. Well, it might feel like that. It might look like that. It might sound like that, but it is not that. Because despite how things look, sound, or feel, God's word is more real than what you feel. And it assures that you are forgiven, past, present, and future. You might just need to march around muttering to yourself, I am forgiven for as long as it takes for your flesh and your soul to get in sync with your spirit. Like I showed you a couple minutes ago, Deborah the judge said, march on with courage, my soul. She could say that because she knew that God was with her and upon her. Now that's huge, of course, but we have it better. Back then, God was with them, and he's with us too, beside us, before us, behind us. Okay, that has not changed. But because of Jesus, he's now inside of us. That's the big difference. They didn't have him inside of them back then. So how much more confidence can we have to say to ourselves, march on with courage, my soul, or however you want to say it? Because of Jesus, because of God inside of us. I say a version of this very thing to myself from time to time. I started doing it maybe five or six years ago when I was faced with a really difficult thing that I needed to do. 
scariest thing I'd ever done up to that point. And every time my head would hit the pillow at night, my mind would wander down through all the what ifs. And that's just a side note about the mind that science has discovered. Your mind tends to fill in the gaps with worst case scenarios. That's why it goes wild with things in the future, because there are so many unknowns. So it tries to fill in those unknowns with a worst case scenario, a life altering or life ending situation that isn't real. Nothing but imagination, usually. It'll downright paralyze you from doing anything. So I realized my mind was heading in that direction. And if I was going to get some sleep at night, much less do what God was asking me to do, I needed to tell myself the truth. So I took the promise of God being with me, like I said, before me, behind me, beside me, and inside of me. And I turned it into something like Deborah did. I constantly said to myself, God is here even in the places that I fear. He's preparing the situation so that it's ready for when I get there. And you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. And I'm not saying that it removed all fear, but it sure settled me down enough to be able to do what I needed to do. It sure calmed my flesh down enough to do it. And it was true too. God did prepare the situation so that it was ready for when I got there. Because of God's forgiveness, you have to hear this, please. Because of God's forgiveness, your new nature and the Spirit of God inside of you. There's so much good stuff that you can say about yourself to help you get out of things. That's why I created my Shut Up Devil app, to help you isolate truths related to the difficulties you face and feel. We made these Who I Am in Christ mirror clings. A lot of you have them. These have six truths about who you are in Christ as a way to help you as well. I don't care how you find the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Remind yourself of the truth. Get it instilled into you. And even if it doesn't actually change the situation, it will change you to the situation. And that's really the power of it. If you can begin to see and react to the situation differently, that's usually enough to get you out of the funk or the fight or the frustration that you're in. You need to get a different perspective of what's going on around you, and the way to do it is to get truth into you. But if there's a situation in which you find yourself with no resource to draw from, maybe you're on an airplane or something and you get struck with fear or insecurity or something, and you don't have my Shut Up Devil app and you don't have the mirror cling or don't have a Bible to look up verses in or no internet connection to Google. Or maybe if you're just lazy and demotivated, because let's be honest, sometimes that's the case for all of us too. Especially when we're in the middle of a battle. We don't feel like doing much of anything, am I right? Well, since God has poured his love into your heart, there's one easy thing that you can say that takes no effort at all and not really any memory. You might not feel like saying it, but that's crucial to say it all the more. It's this, God loves me. You might not even believe it for a little while, but say it anyway. God loves me. In Paul's prayer for spiritual growth, it's found in Ephesians three seventeen through 19. 
He prayed that we would be rooted in God's love. He said that God's love is the source of all the fullness and power that comes from God. So just reminding yourself that God loves you can get you through so much stuff. My friend Susie Larson found that to be true. I tell her story occasionally. She's a national radio host, best-selling author. Some of you know her. I had her on my podcast a couple years ago. She's a testimony to this very thing. She's open about things she's dealt with in life. Sexual trauma from childhood. Presently, Lyme disease and some neurological disorder that all stems from that. Both past and present stuff, just like the rest of us. Well, she shared about a time when God told her, every time you think, I love you, Lord, turn it around and say to yourself, you love me, Lord. She reminded herself of God's love. She did that for a season, and she said it healed her and helped her more than anything else she did. And she's written 20 books so far, raised a family, hosts a national radio show, all while still dealing with some present stuff. All while remembering simply that God loves her. So I'd say it works, but I'm not surprised. After all, we were made by love, with love, and for love. So it should be no surprise that reminders of love would have such an effect on our lives. Insecurity diminishes. Fear diminishes. Confidence increases. It's as the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. So remind yourself of that. If you can't think of anything else, remind yourself of that. God loves me. 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 Speaking of cast out, I've been saying this for the last couple of messages at least, but this is what real so-called deliverance for a Christian is all about. When it comes to your problems and difficulties, you don't need a devil cast out of you. You need to put truth into you. So tell yourself the truth and speak from your heart, your new, clean, righteous heart of God. As Jesus said, it's the truth that sets you free. Okay. Now I have to tell you how I can help you beyond this message. On the topic of your words, I create a four-part audio series. It's called Win With Words, How to Make Your Mouth Work For You, Not Against You. Like I did in this message, using neuroscience and Bible study, I reveal both the natural and the supernatural effects of your words and how to use them to win, to conquer the difficulties in your life. The four messages include the mind and mouth connection, you are what you speak, curse words, three words that repel the devil. This series is available in a four CD set or to download instantly on four MP3s. You can get Win With Words today at kylewinkler.org slash winwithwords. That's kylewinkler.org slash winwithwords. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you. We're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, 
and wherever you get your social media. And don't forget wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. I'll see you next time.